All right. You wanted more women on the show. I, we told you. We told you we'd be working. Corbs and I digging in the crates, getting contacts, doing our best. We've got an absolute um, young phenom in Ace Koenig on this episode. The stuff that she talked about, the mentality that she has, absolutely phenomenal. Everybody in BC knows the name. They know the resume. But this episode gives you the inside and outs. The stuff that she's been through in the last 12 months between not getting drafted in the WNBA to going and ripping up Switzerland to coming back and getting a trial with the Mystics and then now being in Tampa, Florida with Team Canada gives you real insight in terms of what a pro has to go through and especially a female pro, which she touched on. And it's important. And we were thrilled to have her on. We were thrilled to hear her story. And she is a young woman that I think many young women and even men need to look up to. The mentality and the focus and the drive, it's unmatched. And there's going to be a day she's going to crack a roster just because she won't give up. There's no doubt about that. Corbs, I know you're sitting there um, kind of taking it all in. That was a crazy episode. It's so fun how each story is so different. You follow up a Chambers Van Oss with a Disbro, and then you get Ace. And there's a reason that she's got that nickname. Like, quickly, man, I know you're not a man of many words, but the people love you. What are you thinking while you sit there in your uh, in your bedroom with your bed finally uh, made up, looking nice? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, isn't this why we made a hoops journey? Isn't this why we decided to make a podcast outlining the stories of people? Like, people will, you know, most people, I think, in this province will see, like, yes, she was on three straight provincial titles, three straight provincial MVPs, lit up the ACC, and, you know, all the stuff we talked about. But just to hear her kind of like talk about, her her family pickup game just getting super competitive that uh well, we'll save we'll save the stories for, for for you guys to listen but just it's it started at such a young age and and you can just hear her just absolutely oozing confidence it's this is church people tune in like i yeah i like uh I hope that when it comes to a hoops journey, I know we got a lot of loyal people that listen to every episode. I also know maybe some people are out there when they don't see a male or someone that they can connect to that they just drop and don't listen. I'm telling you, this is an OG one. This is a legit baller. She's in the mix right now. She's on the cusp of making the WNBA. What else do you want? Episode 57. Let's freaking go. Bang. We were, I think, a double A. So, hi. Say goodnight. Hi. We're trying to do the podcast, buddy. <laughs> Can you say goodnight? Yeah, I love you. Dad, yeah. I broke a piece of glass off. Oh, did you cut your finger? Okay, are you going to be okay? Okay, love you. Bath time. Say, say bye. Say bye to Ace and Corbin. Bye. Okay. Bye. Sorry, that's a first. It's all good. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> It's all good. I can restart so you can cut okay. it, Corbin. Corbin's got his work cut out for him here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, buckle up here. We have, how do we put into words here, a young woman who's still on the grind, literally just landed today, um, has been grinding through a bunch of airplanes and flights today, and uh, is uh, willing to sit down with us. We're so excited. 
an absolute legend in the BC ball scene, Canadian ball scene, ripped up America for a little bit and is still uh, hungry for more. Um, I feel like we should have that theme song, All I Do Is Win, in the background somewhere. All I do is win, win, but we have none other than the ace, Aislinn Koenig, with us this evening. How are you, ma'am? I am doing great. Thanks for having me. No problem. We do really appreciate your time. And we must make a point of pointing out that it is your birthday. This is our first... We, we have 56 episodes. Um, you're 57. And no one has actually taken the time to record on their birthday. So I think that just says that you're in quarantine for a little bit. Not that you really like us that much because we've never met before, right? Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I kind of was like busy and you guys kept saying, hey, when can we set it up? So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I finally have some free time. So even though it's my birthday, let's get let's get it going. I love it. And no guilty feelings at all. It's just the way you do it. And uh, when you're trying to do a podcast online and balance people's schedules, especially when they're big time, you know, traveling between Switzerland and Washington and Arizona and uh, where are you now? You're in Tampa. So tell us, how are you? Check in. How's things? I know, you know, things didn't go your way a couple weeks ago, which we'll get into, but there's still lots of life left for you and Hoops only turning 23. But how has life been during a quarantine? And uh, what, what's it been like for you the last kind of year? Whirlwind. We could probably do a whole show just on your last 12 months, hey? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been hectic to say the least. I think I have been all around the world at this point in the last 12 months and you know playing with Team Canada you kind of get used to it but um, now that it's a job there's a lot more stress and mm -hmm. there's a lot more expectations and preparation so you know it definitely has been a whirlwind from going finishing up university, graduating, winning an ACC tournament championship and MVP, um, to WNBA draft night not getting picked, to flying over to Switzerland, playing um, on the best team in Switzerland, going undefeated, and doing a Elite Eight run in Euro Cup, to then leaving early to go to the Washington Mystics, to getting cut, um, to coming home for a week and then picking up on my birthday and uh, coming here to Tampa to be with Team Canada in preparation for America Cup and the Olympics. So it's been like a bunch of up and downs all over the world. It's been very exciting and crazy all at the same time. The name of the show is A Hoops Journey and I feel like you are literally living your hoops journey right now and we know that there's lots of life left. But I really want to get into your story. I'm super intrigued um, as a coach in this province and someone who watched you from afar and never coached the women's game. We're excited to get more kind of powerful young women on our show. And you, you are that. And you're a baller. And we're super thrilled to have you. Tell us about yourself as, as a young lady and what life was like growing up for you. Um, were you a sporty from day one? How did, how did basketball sort of start to come into your life? Um, so I was kind of born into basketball. I wasn't exactly pushed into it right away. My parents were very much the type of parents who wanted me to find my own path and make my own decisions. And honestly, I'm so stubborn and independent that had they tried to tell me what I had to do, I probably never would have gone into basketball just to spite them. Yeah. Um, but uh, I grew up in basketball. My Both my parents played in university in Division 2. Uh, 
all of my mom's side of the family plays. My grandfather just stopped playing this year. So, um, yeah, and the World Masters. I've gone all over the world watching them all play. Uh, my grandfather, I went with him to Australia to watch him perform there. So basketball was just always part of my life. And when, you know, it got kind of like not as enjoyable to be out in the rain while playing soccer um, <laughs> the natural choice was to move on and you know go choose an indoor sport and that being basketball and what age was that for you when you kind of just solely committed to that sport I got serious about basketball at 12 years old Damn, so it's okay. a little bit late in the, the usual stories mm -hmm. I mean yes and no right I mean if you live in BC and grow up especially in the lower mainline chances are you're playing soccer right it's it's a sport that you can play year-round we get minimal snow you know and like you say the rain just kind of wears you out but I mean I, any uh, Corbs I'd say 90% of the people that we've had from the west coast in this show played soccer which you know is the foundation you know teaches you other things but why did what was it about basketball was it because it was just around you all the time that got you into it and that's why or was there something about just kind of shooting hoops on your own and, and getting better that really drew you to the sport? Um, I think it was probably a mixture of both. It's kind of hard when you're in a family environment and everybody does it to not want to be a part of it. Um, my family was still super supportive when I played soccer, but um, there was definitely a different level of commitment when it came to basketball. Mm -hmm. So watching and experiencing them play at some of the highest levels in Canada, being uh, some of the few women's basketball players who played in the NCAA at the time from Prince they came from Prince George played in California and division one schools like that is like something that was very motivating and inspiring to me yeah all of my aunts um my mother she played division two in West Virginia but my my three aunts her sisters they all played um in California Idaho and division one and at that time me? that was yeah that Oof. was completely absurd so mm -hmm. i grew up around tons of amazing female athletes who were so knowledgeable and it was so fun and you know the our family would get together and have team like family basketball pickup games which we're not allowed to do anymore because there were almost divorces but <laughs> But, and fights, but, yeah. You know, yeah, we grew up we grew up playing, so it was really like a love that grew from familial ties, and then something that I realized I was pretty good at, and that I could, you know, potentially be great at, and wanted to pursue that. Love it. The backyard battles, you can't beat them. You know what I mean? It's awesome. And and I mean, I'm sure nobody probably wants to play anymore because you'll just light everyone up. So um, did anyone like, was there a major injury, like a torn Achilles or a bad knee or a blown ankle or in some of those battles? No, everyone came out healthy. No, but see, we, we <laughs> have the like Prince George basketball, like has been barely tied into my family. So we didn't play outdoors. We played on courts, like mm -hmm. in a high school gym. And we would say, hey, come let us in. We want to play. And no, there wasn't any big injuries. But like to put into perspective how nuts my aunts are, like one of them almost like started a fist fight because she said she got fouled and nobody but i'm pretty sure she slapped the person who was running by like and then she said they hit her and then was about to fight him and then my other aunt took a charge while she was pregnant come on that's what almost caused the divorce so we decided that we weren't allowed to do that anymore 
because obviously, like, granted, she wasn't like really pregnant, but at, in any case, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Like, pregnant's pregnant. So we, yeah. So we decided, you know, obviously we can't control ourselves, so we shouldn't do this. <laughs> I absolutely love it, and like, I think it says a lot too, because like, who takes a charge in? Uh, you know, like a family pickup game when there's no ref to actually verify. It's just going to be straight opinion, right? Like, it's just going to be an argument anyways. No, it's a charge. Oh, it's a block. It's a charge block. Like, and pregnant. Love and it. the worst part is, so the, the ref was my grandmother. And it was, <laughs> it was born in family versus married in family. Oh. So it wasn't fair no. either way. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you spend years up there or were those just family trips that you made because you ended up playing, you know, high school in the lower mainland? Like my life now, I've kind of been all over the place. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was born in Vancouver. Then for like my so the first couple years of elementary school, I was in Prince George. Then we came back. Um, we were in Abbotsford for a while. I actually, and then we moved to Coquitlam and I went to Glen Eyre and Sir Frederick Banting. Then yes. um, then we moved for a year to the United States for my dad's job. And I played a year, my first year of high school basketball in the States in, funny enough, Vancouver, Washington. Washington. Nice. Yeah. And then came back and ended up playing at Brookswood for right. my final three years. I'm a fellow, I grew up in Coquitlam as well, so represent. Let's talk about that. Talk about Coach Brown coming into your life, the experience at Brookswood. I mean, like a, a three-time provincial champ, three-time MVP, kind of just, I don't know if anybody in history is going to be able to do that again. I know, I think Kim Smith Corbs, she was two-time but uh, we had Kim Smith on the show as well. I don't know if you had the chance to meet her over the years, but... She's actually here in the hotel with me. No way. Let her know <laughs> she was in a hoops journey. She's the best. She's such a nice uh, person. Holy smokes. She has a lot of oranges, apparently, so... <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah, we'll get into that later. But talk about that. Talk about Brookswood and kind of just... Um, basketball's in your veins now. It's You're going nuts. You're in the gym every morning. Um, give the young women out there an idea of how much work you put in to get where you are. I think it's important. And I really respect, you know, I only, I'm just getting to know you today, but respect what I've seen from you on social media and how you portray yourself as a young, powerful woman. I think that says a lot. And I think um, the Canadian women's team, you know, let's be honest, they've done better than the men for a long time. And it's time that, that you all deserve and get the respect you deserve. So I'm rambling, but uh, take us through the Brookswood years and how you really just started to, to take off. Because it's clear that that's where your trajectory just went, you know, through the roof. So to break it down, the decision to go to Brookswood probably is the first yeah. most important detail. We were coming back from the United States, and um, I had had a really good freshman season over there. But, you know, just with the coaching issues, coaching was switching, and they were bringing someone we didn't really um, like or trust very much. So we decided to come back, and what was really important is we wanted to find a place where I would stay for three years. I was a coach that understood my goals and you know with somebody who was going to help me achieve them so my dad went around and talked to a bunch of different schools and mr brown he told them listen if she wants to get in the gym 
she'll get in the gym. I will be here. I get here every morning at 6 a.m. to open it before school starts. And I stay, we practice and I stay late and I keep the gym open afterwards. Mm -hmm. So if she wants shots, she wants to get work in. If that's what she wants, she she can come here and do that whenever she wants. If she calls me up on the weekend and says, hey, I need to come in and get shots, I will come drive my 10-minute drive from my house and come and open the doors for her. Mm -hmm. So... Mm And that was something, a dedication and a love of basketball. He was already doing this. It wasn't something special for me. He, did, he was doing this for all of the girls. So that was this factor that really kind of changed my trajectory and also, you know, choosing to go to Brookswood and having that legacy there. And, you know, not enough can be said about Coach Brown and just how incredible of a coach he is but also um, a person how much he cares about his um, his team and his players I mean he was a teacher he did was my PE teacher too he checked in with all the teachers (laughs) yes PE in quotations Um, but you know he also um, I would work the games there would have the junior games going or the volleyball games and I'd ref or I'd work and so I lived kind of far away because the catch there was no catchment for Langley Mm -hmm. so um I would be at school from 6 30 a.m until nine o'clock at night so he would in between go home and pack food for me and bring it back so that I could eat before practice Mm -hmm. so it was just those little things that really I think that amount of care really is demonstrated in how much success um, we had in, over the years. And then, you know, I was in a really great situation. I think everybody can agree Brookswood was a dynasty at the point already. I mean, I came into a very talented team with Mr. Brown's daughter, Jesse Brown, Taylor Jackson, young um, players rising up like Louise Forsyth. So I came into a really great situation and I was able to blossom as a player because Coach Brown really trusted me and, mm-hmm. um, you know, allowed me to grow and try stuff out and make mistakes and do those things. And by the end of it, it turned out really well. Yeah. So he just gave you the keys. That's super cool. And I think, you know, and like we talked about offline before, you know, I, I've known Coach Brown since the mid nineties when he was opening the gym for the the boys at Aldergrove, right? So this is nothing new to him. And and I think it's important that you make that point that, you know, it wasn't just something special for you. I think there's a handful of unique coaches in our province and he definitely falls in, in that category in terms of what he's been able to do and the impact that he's had on many and how many in our province have done it with men and women, right? On both sides of the the game. And it's very cool. Talk about those years. Like when you were young, did you think was winning a provincial championship on your map or was it just, I want to continue to improve with basketball and then the ball drops the first time you win and, and it's amazing. How, tell me about that. You know, for me, the process of playing basketball was always about getting a scholarship to go to university. Okay. That was really the major key for me always. So in terms of winning a provincial championship, I went to the U.S. and then I came back. So it wasn't really on the forefront of my mind until I got to Brookswood and now this is what we were working towards. Mm -hmm. But for me, at 12 years old, my dad sat me down and he goes, listen, we don't have money for you to go to university. We're, We're not we not saving anything for you. Our parents didn't do it for us and we're fine. And so you're going to be fine. And let's talk about what your options are. And he goes, you know, your first option is you just be a normal kid and you get a job and you save and you do it yourself and you get a loan and you have debt and you do that. And I was like, well, that sounds horrible. (laughs) 
so what's the next option? And, and Come he on, goes, Dad. yeah, I was like, uh, no, thanks. Um, so the next option he goes, okay, well, then you'd be really, really great at school and you get an academic scholarship. You're still going to have to pay, but you're going to pay less. I was like, well, I do like school, but like, that's a lot of pressure. So what's the last option? And he goes, it's to get an athletic scholarship. It's to be really good and that will pay for everything. And I was like, well, ka-ching, let's go. Like, I don't know why you didn't start with that one, <laughs> you know? So for me, even at the very young age, he said, hey, is this something you want? And I said, yes. And then he put everything on the line and sacrificed everything he had to to make sure that that was an opportunity that I had the chance to seize. So um, for me, it was always about college. Now I ended up in a great situation where we had the opportunity to win a lot of provincial championships. And I think that definitely helped the process of getting recruited. But in winning provincial championships was kind of a secondary goal to the larger goal for me. Mm-hmm. Fair. I don't know if you ever thought about it that first year when you were in Vancouver, Washington, what was the difference? Did you notice a difference? I mean, I'm sure at times being up in BC, you won't, you don't have to say it. We will. You probably found the game to be fairly easy depending on, you know, who you're playing. You know, you get to like maybe a semi and a final in the province and it's a little bit of a challenge, but up till then, I'm sure there was a lot of uh, early subs in the third quarter and watching the fourth quarter while icing the ankles. What were your thoughts about transitioning from the States back up here and what are we lacking? Random thought. What do you think? Um, you know, I don't think it's that a good question, hey? It is a great question. Um, yeah. but I don't think that the US to Canada, the level of play wasn't that big of a difference. There was a slight um, drop off, but only because, you know, I was my very first game. I jumped. This is a funny story. I was five, eight and a half. I had grown an extra inch um, through high school and I was they started me as the five because my coach just decided that like, oh, you can jump high and you're athletic. We're going to put you at the five because we have senior point guard. So you're going to be the starting five and the backup point guard because we want you to start, even though we have a six, four girl on our bench. So my very first game, I line up against a six, five center who is already committed to Oregon state. <laughs> and I was so hyped because it was my first game. I won the tip. Yeah. And everybody was just like, what is going on? And you know, like it was nuts, but I never won another one. Let's just put that out there. But (laughs) I think it's because you have one or two players on every single team that is like some, some really talented or physically skill level is very talented player on Mm -hmm. each team there. Like everybody is committed to going somewhere. Like the senior point guard was going to San Diego and so everybody on our team had scholarships here or there. So I think that's the only difference. It's a little bit of the the competitiveness is slightly turned up just because it's everybody has something to prove. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. in terms of skill level, I would say, honestly, it was about equal. So I think it's really? just it's just the competitiveness, the the idea that this is more than just a game. This is an avenue to progress yourself into the future. I think everybody on my team was hunting a scholarship, which is very different. Mm -hmm. So I think that would probably be the only difference between the U.S. and Canada in that respect. It's just the 
kind of the this is we need this needs to be a great game every game yeah which i was gonna say which in the end means like we gotta win games because win games means more momentum more eyes more people watching and more exposure right no one wants to go watch and you know a one in 15 team play so good good insight thanks for that as you move along how and when do you decide to figure out where you're going to go. I'm sure the scholarships start to roll in, the interest comes. How do you maintain sort of a level head? Um, sounds like, you know, if the family structure is very good at home to sort of just keep you focused. And when do you decide, of all places, some, somewhere like NC State? Just interesting to know. So for me, the recruiting process was, I kept it fairly simple. If I knew for a fact when I picked up the phone that there was no way that I wanted to go there, I told them off the bat. And my first turn down was Gonzaga. And I think ah. anybody from the lower mainland can understand how heart-wrenching telling Gonzaga that you're not interested is because you grow up and Gonzaga is the place that all of the Canadians go. So like, that's like, that's like where people shoot for. So that was actually my first like big time turndown. And it was just, I knew it wasn't a good fit for me personally. And I um, got on the phone and I was alone at the time. My parents had left to go do something with my sister and I was at home and I I knew I had to do it. I was like, Mm -hmm. they're going to call me again tomorrow. And it's, I know I don't want to go here. So I, um, I got on the phone and I said, hey, coach, I have I have to tell you this. And I said, I, I'm you know, I'm not I really appreciate everything, but I'm not interested. I don't think it's a good fit for me. And then I broke down crying and I said, did I do that right? <laughs> and, he, and the coach, the coach laughs. And he goes, yes, don't worry. You did do that right. We wish you all the best, everything. And I hung up and then I cried some more. Yeah. And, <laughs> and because, you know, it was a big milestone of like, this is a school that people are dreaming of and I have the opportunity and the ability to turn them down. To say no. Yes. To something so monumental. It's power moves. Yes, it was. And it was, it was like heart wrenching for me because like, I like, I know growing up, that was like one of the few schools that we could ever watch games on TV. Mm -hmm. It was you know, all of the big time men's players always went to Gonzaga. So like to have that moment and do that was on one side, very empowering. And on the other side, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Interesting. Is this your junior year? uh, Yes, it was. It was my junior year. Okay. So I mean, you're still super young too, right? Like, you know, just your young person trying to figure out who you are, where you stand in life. What do I want to do? Basketball's kind of stressful, but it's still super fun. Like, there's lots going on. It's, it's uh, always an interesting process to hear people's stories. Yeah. Yeah, and so being young, my parents also were like, "Listen, you're doing this yourself. You're making these decisions. We'll help wow. you if you ask for opinions, but we don't have any input on this because if something goes wrong, that's on you. We don't want you to blame. <laughs> we don't want you to." transfer and blame it on us and do this and do that so you're gonna take the time and you're gonna do this right and you're gonna make a choice for yourself so like I did I got I got input from them but they really let me do it myself so another funny story Iowa called me and I picked up and said hey this is the University of Iowa and I said listen coach I really appreciate this but I just can't live in Iowa (laughs) and he goes Yeah, we get that a lot. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so, you know, like, it was understanding exactly what I wanted to get out of the school I was going to, where I would best fit, how, how, um, 
how I would fit into each program that really made it easy and I wasn't too much about the attention. I really just wanted to get my decision done and taken care of and make the right one. So um, I actually whittled it down fairly quickly and it ended up being um, Stanford and NC State. And the funny thing about NC State is when I first got mail from them, I had never heard of them before. I had get heard out. of Duke, UNC, Wake Forest, because on the, you know, you hear of, of those, those teams, right? Never. I went, who the heck is NC State? I'm like, is this some like call it like, is this some like D2 school? Like, cause I was kind of deep into my recruiting now and I had grown a little bit of an ego and, <laughs> and I go, who, who are they? And my dad goes, no, no, no. Like they're really good. You should probably, you should probably talk. I said, oh, I've never even heard of them. They can't even be that good. And then funny enough, they're my top two. And eventually I end up going there. But, you know, the the decision between Stanford and U NC State that, you know, I get this question a lot, why NC State over Stanford? Mm. And it was because of that um, goal of I need to find the right spot for me, not the right spot for, you know, scholarships for the for my scholarly goals, which mm -hmm. obviously are important. But I had dreams of being an Olympian, of being a professional athlete, going to the WNBA. And so. For me, it was like a degree is a degree. I can, these are both very good academic schools in their own right. Maybe Stanford a little bit more than NC State. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's really about where my fit is in basketball. And I got off, I left Stanford and I thought, there's no way that NC State can beat Stanford. And within two hours of being at NC State, I had the feeling that this is this is where I need to be. So I went home and I no wrote my list down of pros and cons, like really dramatically on like this huge like this huge post-it note with a huge sharpie. And I wrote pros and cons at Stanford and the list for NC State on the pros just kept going and going and going. There weren't really any cons for Stanford; it just didn't match up. So mm. I was sitting there, and my dad the the only input I ever remember him really giving me is he came up behind me and he goes, I don't know why you're wasting your time. You already know where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So I put the cap on my pen, I threw the pad over and I called coach Moore and I committed right there. That's awesome. Couple takeaways, like amazing stories. Um, I teach a leadership class and I always, whenever the kids say I have a dilemma, I, I said the pros and cons, like it's the way to go, right? That's when the truth will come out. So it's so great that you shared that. And also I totally agree. You said it sheepishly like, oh, well, it was Stanford. But honestly, you could have a degree from Stanford, but if you have no social skills, you're not a communicator, you're not a team player, and you're applying for a job, does it matter? Right? It's just a piece of paper. Like, I have a degree from Brandon University in Manitoba, like a town of 40,000 people, and that's where I played my last few years. And I had friends that were at UBC that couldn't get a teaching job, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. it's how you treat people and you know, what you can do and how you communicate and all those other things. So really good stuff, love that. And then how was it when you, you know, you said it felt right, right away. Um, did that continue? And how were those first few practices as a freshman, just stepping on campus and, and getting into it? Uh, it was just amazing and scary all at the same time. It yeah. was, I'm finally at the spot that I, I want to be at. I'm here. I've gotten my scholarship. I'm on at a Power 5 school playing for an amazing team. Um, and, you know, 
you go into practice and you're the rookie, you're the freshman, and nobody, everybody's trying to pick on you on on the floor because they want to do it. And you know, Coach Moore likes to joke around and say he didn't set me up very well because, you know, he used to on the bus poke at the seniors saying, "Oh, hey, this freshman's coming. She just dropped 50 tonight," and that didn't set it off great for me. <laughs> You know, Thanks like lot, they Coach liked Moore. me as a person, but on the floor, they really, really took it to me, which, you know, I, I had no problem with. Like, I, yeah, it was great. Good. Like, I enjoy, I, I really enjoyed the challenge and the people are great. Like today I had like two of the seniors that were of that class message me and say, hey, like, happy birthday. I hear you're at Team Canada, all this stuff. So great relationships, but, but you know, lots of um, competition there. Yeah. And so my Hi, first everyone. year, yes, yeah, my me. first year, I was I was kind of the the girl they picked on a little bit on the floor because coach Moore really like put me in that position and I laugh with him now cuz I was like, you know, you didn't have to do that. Like <laughs> they still would have challenged me yeah. and he was like, yeah, but you know. And I was like, okay, mm. but we're not going to talk about that anymore. But you do know, you think, so the first... do you think maybe he saw like some big potential in you, and that's why he did it? Like, he must have, you know, if if he didn't feel like his interactions with you, and you know, watching you play, didn't think you would be able to live up to that, he probably wouldn't have done it. You know, like give yourself some credit. He probably knew that like there's this young stud coming in that'll be able to handle it, and if I set the bar even higher for her, I feel like she'll she'll get there. You know, does that make yeah. sense? I mean, I think it was both sides. I think it, he saw it as an opportunity to motivate a senior class that yeah. wasn't technically his class. Okay. He hadn't recruited all of those girls. He had inherited them. So this was a challenge. This was a chance for him to challenge them on one side. And then it was a chance for him to harden me and go, you're, you know, like, we're going to challenge you. Eventually, you're going to be, you know, taking over this team. This was the discussions we had of mm -hmm. hey like you're going to be our point guard you're going to take over this team you're going to have to do that so being able to deal with that adversity on my side but also have a chance to motivate an an older group who maybe you know needed a little bit of a jabbing at you know mm -hmm. so i think maybe on both sides there yeah when did you when did you like officially feel like you belonged when did it happen was it a practice was it a game was it a moment in in the locker room when you were just like, all right, you know, I, I'm in this mix and I'm going to, I'm going to go here. Um, you know, I never really felt like I didn't belong. I always felt I'm, I'm somebody who's like uber confident, like maybe too much at some points, but I just trust myself. Cause I, I've always been somebody who works really hard. So mm -hmm. it's easy to have that confidence to trust yourself when you've put the work in. So I've, I always felt, um, part like, like I should be there. But I don't think that I really felt the seriousness of it all until I broke my foot freshman year. Because, um, you know, I was one of the top scoring freshmen in the league. I, and I was coming off the bench. Um, we had a great senior class, but in my head I was like, I'm about to break the starting lineup. I had put on some weight because North Carolina food is not the best for being a, a fit athlete. <laughs> and I'm, you know, living on my own. So mm -hmm, I put mm -hmm. on some weight. So I was running every single night. Um, I was running 20 minutes as fast as I could every single night on the treadmill after everything, after all of our training, our lifting, our practices, all of that. And I got a stress fracture in my foot. My, my trainer, you know, 
gave me the option, which probably wasn't great to give an 18 year old the option to keep playing on a stress fracture uh, when she feels like she's like about to break the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it was like, we're going to manage the pain. We're going to do treatment on it and, you know, do that. And then I broke it. And I think in that moment, that was like a wake up call for me. It was like, listen, like you can't, you can't expect to be this great player if you're not going to take care of your body the right way. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something that is the moment where you move from high school to university. That's the moment, that realization that this is um, a lot more serious than than it was in high school. It's not like mm-hmm. I can not stretch and go like, and I can go run and do my layups and I'm good. I can go play. No, like you have to do your treatment. You have to take care of your body. You have to eat properly, sleep properly, do all these things. And I think in terms of transition, that was after I broke my foot, that was the catalyst moment of it's time to be a professional. Interesting. Here's the difference between me and you, Ace. Ace, uh, Ace the professional, thinks that way. I played on a stress fracture, and then I broke my ankle at the uh, Nationals after party So, when I was playing on my stress fracture. So, yeah, <laughs> I was not thinking like a professional. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's why hey, you are where you, you are. Hey, but that means you won. You guys won. You were partying. True. True. That's fine. It's okay. Okay. Oh, you get a pass. All right. I appreciate that. Of course. I do. I do. And also, like, were you thinking with that injury, was it like... Hold on one second. Did you... Second. Yeah, no worries. I just got my food just The meal, off. the meal's here. Yes. I'm keeping it rolling. This is great for the cold intro. Oh, yeah. Yes, thank you. Oh, God. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> what do we got here, Denise? Yeah, what do you got in there? Um, a water. They keep giving me apples, even though I hate apples. Really? Yeah, I just don't like them. Yeah. Um, I, th- a, I hope that's a. Ve- I'm a vegan, so I'm hoping this is a veggie patty. But it looks like. Yeah. No, I hope that's oh. a vegan patty, man. Oh <sighs> man. It's okay. There's a lot of vegetables <laughs> there. I can eat around it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so when you're injured, is it also like you're thinking, okay? there's girls gaining on me right now or passing me and that's why that's why it hit you so hard or like what was it about or just just the business of division one basketball and you're like wow like I really got to focus in on who I am and what I want to be um it was more so I had never been had a severe injury in my life Uh, I had always been somebody who had been super healthy regardless I mean I you know I because I grew up in a house of athletes we took pretty good care of our body like naturally but um it wasn't like on that level of professionalism of that this is serious we need to do this this isn't negotiable it's like okay yeah like I don't stretch I don't have to I'm healthy like why would I you know and now it's like now you get I'm 23 now and I'm like holy crap if I don't stretch before bed how am I supposed to get up in the morning so (laughs) so you know like it's it's kind of that moment of having the real like awakening of oh wow like my body might fail me if I don't do this properly Mm-hmm. And then having mm-hmm. to sit out after having such a promising start. Like, I think I, I had just been named uh, freshman of the week. And then the next week, I had broke my foot. And it was mm-hmm. kind of just like the super high and then like going, wow, like my freshman season is over, you know? So that that was really, I think, what shook me of like, I've I've always been able to be really great 
and maybe not deserved it based on how I prepared myself. Mm. And now it's like, you need to earn every one of these moments. Interesting. That's powerful stuff. And then how does one recover from that? How do you get your mentality back, get that confidence back, um, and know that you're going to continue to, you know, be a, a strong baller? Like, how do you do that? With no injury, with no major injuries. Like, it's a first for you, right? Yeah. Um, the first week was a lot of crying. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of um, ups- self-pity. Being, yeah, self-pity, wallowing a little bit. Yeah, also, yeah. not cute that I could only, like, I had to jump around a lot. Like I was jumping around. Everybody could hear me coming. Like I'm living in an apartment with like three other girls. And like, anytime I move, like I have to like hop. So like I'm hopping and it's making, waking people up in the middle of the night. Like, I don't know. It was just awful on all accounts. And <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Just no, picturing I you mean... at 1am going pee, like, bomb, 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 like frick, I mean, you know, high, like college beds are like stupidly high up in the air. Yeah. So I'm like jumping, like it was. It was gonna get, it was, gonna break your other ankle just getting out of bed. I know. Yeah. She's like, you can't hop around. I was like, well, my scooter doesn't fit in in my thing, and not to mention the scooter. I was, I was scootering up a hill, because NC State has like hills all over the place. Scootering up a hill, and my the chair that holds my knee broke. The pin just fell out and rolled down the hill, and I literally just stopped. And I was so, I was halfway up this hill. I was exhausted. My leg was on fire because you can only push with the one leg. So, so I'm, and I just like, I just like broke down right there. And then a men's basketball player is driving, sees it all happen. We and me and him are like, we know each other, but not really friends. He pulls up and he goes, get in my car. I'm taking you to your apartment because we li- all lived in the same apartment. He's like, come on, we're, I'm taking you back. This yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. I, said, <laughs> I said, yeah, I need to find a screw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I look like this right now. Yeah, I, I know. I know we're, we barely even know each other. You're like an upperclassman. And I'm just like so embarrassed. But at the same time, thank you. Because it's like so hot out here and I'm sweating. And I was going to have to hop up with this scooter above my head. I'm dying. Yeah. But, you know, so there's okay, so a lot of those all, how moments. Do you bounce back? <laughs> yeah, but oh I had a really great... My first of all, my mom came to spend time with me at she came two nights before my surgery and then I spent like a week with her after my surgery. So that really helped. We stayed in a hotel like away from campus. Um mm-hmm. and we just like she let me de stress and like deal with all of the motions and everything. Then, you know, she went home and then it was straight back to work. I was in the pool um three times a week on the bike every single practice. You know, just trying to stay in shape, trying to build muscle. We were lifting. Yep. I had like the I, the constricting stuff that you do with your quads and stuff. So it was like almost to the point where yep. I didn't have enough time anymore to feel sorry for myself. It was like I'm waking up at 7 a.m. to go do treatment. Then I'm um, so I'm like sleeping in there before class as I have this treatment, this passive treatment going on. And then I'm going to class, which takes me forever because I have to scooter there. Then I'm coming, I'm getting to practice. I'm in practice. So they're, they're practicing. I'm on the bike for like an hour and a half, two hours, just going with my, um, strength coach beside me. Then yeah. after they're all done, 
he takes me to the pool and then we swim and so like it was and then you're exhausted so you scooter over to the <laughs> the dining hall and you try and get some food in you and then you try and hitch a ride with somebody and hope that they oh have a car goodness. that's big enough to fit your scooter so <laughs> so you know it was it it was a healthy distraction of just continuously trying to get healthy and stay strong and do all these things that I think really helped push me through that definitely down point in my career. Yeah. And then how special was it and fun was it to just be a part of like the run that you guys ended up going on throughout that? And you mentioned that your coach was kind of a younger coach in terms of his time at, at NC State. Um, and how how did like... I mean, everybody in BC was watching it. We were seeing the tweets. We were seeing, you know, we were seeing it all happen. Did you ever imagine that? I mean, forget a provincial championship to go and like, you know, an ACC almost 30 years got to be pretty fun, right? Yeah. um, It was incredible because we did it. But also what made it super special was when Coach Moore came into my home visit Mm -hmm. and he sat down, he goes, listen, I want to win an ACC championship. And I think you are the piece. We need to do it. We have a great players coming in, but we need somebody like you. And he's like, and I want to, do you want to do this with me? And I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. So from before I had even committed. Yeah. Did you believe him when he said that? I did. I did. That was part of, I think the appeal of, of, going to NC State was I really believed huh. in Coach Moore and trusted him. Love and, it. And, you know, which definitely, you know, you go to school and you don't necessarily get along with Coach the whole time. And you might butt heads, but if there's that trust and that belief um, and there's that common goal, you can really work through anything. So he sat in my living room and said this to me four years, four and a half years. Mm-hmm. and And then you know, every single day come, coming to it, working, and it doesn't really, you're like, oh, what are we doing this for? It's hard. It's tiring. It's, <laughs> you know, God, he's, he's such a jerk sometimes. And then, you know, you finish it out accomplishing this thing that you had been talking about for four years um, was absolutely incredible. That Having that experience in that moment, especially with coach, um, was a huge deal for me. And also when I left, I got gifts for all the coaches to say goodbye and everything. And for him, I printed out a picture. There's a picture of us at ACC Media Day and it's on a white background. So I extended the white background up and I wrote, coach, four years ago, we promised each other that we were gonna do this. And now we have, thank you for everything. Mm-hmm. And then I put confetti from the ACC championship in there and I'm pretty sure it sits on his desk. So, um, you know, it's, it was just super special to have that goal and be able to work towards it every day and finally see it come to fruition Mm -hmm. at the end of a wonderful four years. That's cool. Um, my first thought is when I hear those stories, I'm like, why do I coach boys? Like, they don't think like that. They don't, they're like, thanks, coach. Like, girls are just so genuinely thoughtful. Like, extended the whiteboard, got some confetti, nice note. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, man, I mean, I need to pull a Neil Brown and just transition over to Why coaching. Why do you think he never went back to guys? <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, smart. No, listen, my family, he, he came to Hawaii to, I'm pretty, he came to Hawaii to come watch me play then I I don't know how much my family had to do with him coming to Hawaii but we were like yeah come on we're gonna take you out for a really nice dinner you and your wife and all this stuff so I don't know I'm not completely sure if we had anything to do with him actually coming over to Hawaii but you know that we were like yeah you need to come and he came 
to NC State with his friend. We got him tickets, so it's a wonderful relationship with Mr. Brown as well. So cool. And I remember seeing some visuals, like, I believe your family was at that ACC final, correct? Yeah. And just, like, seeing you hug your mom and, like, those moments are, those are forever, right? And I think, um, like, do you, have you given yourself the time to reflect yet? Or are you still, like, too hungry? This was a good year to have a moment to, like, take a deep breath and, like, appreciate everything that we've had. Corp, she's so smart, man. (laughs) She's so smart. So well-spoken. This is awesome. This is unreal. Oh, you got to turn those off. My head's going to go like this. Um, (laughs) But, you know... It's been a really great year for that, of being able to take a deep breath and look back and all the things that we've accomplished. And also growing up and being able to appreciate what my parents did for me. Oh, my good. The other day, I I went and watched my sister playing a tournament in Phoenix. That's why I was there. And, you know, I said something to her afterwards, and she just snapped at me. And (laughs) I was just like, I can't stand you. And so I called my dad, and I go, Dad... I am so sorry. And he goes, for what? What'd you do? I said, for being an asshole. When I was a teenager, I was awful. If I was anything like her, you should have smacked me or something because I needed to leave. I needed to leave the room. And all I told her was like, dude, call for the ball when you're running down the floor. And she said, shut up. You don't know. And I was like, I... I need to leave. I, I'm leaving. <laughs> and so I called my dad and I go, dad, listen, I'm so sorry. And he goes, wait, what'd you do? He thought I like crashed a car or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm just sorry for being an awful child. Like I was great, but I was awful and I'm sorry. <laughs> and he laughed and he goes, I'm glad you finally realized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. so being able to grow up and appreciate that has been amazing. I'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Good Lad Clothing and Parkside Brewery. Father's Day is coming up about a month away. And what better way to treat a father in your life by going down to 3283 Main Street in Vancouver and passing by our friend of the podcast, Shay Meyer, at his exceptional clothing store. They have a number of incredible brands, but they have our favorites. I know Mitch and I really love the Rating Champ stuff. So why don't you head down there and pick one up for yourself? And right now, Vancouver is being really Raincouver right now. But until the sun opens up and the rain goes away, you can go to any licensed liquor store and pick up your favorite Parkside beers. Now, I'm not a beer aficionado by any stretch. In fact... I'm kind of allergic to alcohol, but on special occasions, I head over to the local liquor store by my house and pick up my favorite beer, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. Mention a hoop's journey at both locations and, well, all I can say, again, is that you'll be very well taken care of. And it shows us that you've been supported in the pod. So during the rainy Vancouver days, why don't you head down to Good Lad and pick up some fresh apparel? And on the way home, pass by your local liquor store and pick up some Parkside beer. Thank you to Shane Meyer and Travis McLean and Sam Payne at Parkside. We hope to see you at Good Lad and Parkside sometime soon. Back to the show. Yeah, it's cool. We all have those moments. It happens, right? And it's good that you've been able to reflect on that. And, you know, the draft doesn't work out for you after NC State, but 
Talk about that experience of going to Switzerland. You know, I've had many friends, played overseas and had a great time. I mean, okay, so d looked it up. 88 for 183 from three. Okay. That's only Come counting our league games. Hey, flex. Angie flexes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, because they don't count the stats for our cup games. Okay. So actually, I'm pretty sure I hit 120. Is the cup where you were MVP? We played a total in the, in the whole thing. We played mm -hmm. four cups. Uh, I yeah, only played that's in, the weird part about Euroball, right? Yeah, they have all these yeah. different cups. Yeah. Talk about that. How was it? Like the disappointment of not getting your goal, but there's still so much time left, but then realizing like, all right, I get to go see the world. I get to go to a place like Switzerland, you know, um, had a good friend in 2010 and went over and visited him. He was playing in Basel. Cough, cough, tone. Um, and got to see Basel and hang out. And then my wife and I went to Paris and visited that. And Europe's a different vibe. So how was that experience just from culture? And obviously your numbers and you guys were 18-0 in your league, like lots of success. And this is my thing is um, like, don't sleep on the records with you. You've already said you're confident, but I, I just like three provincial titles, you know, building a program and getting to an ACC title when no one really had you on the map to start and then going and going 18-0 in your league. Like I just, it just keeps going, right? So I'm confident. I don't even know you that well. I'm confident where things are going to go and I'm kind of pumping your tires here a little bit, but like, how was it? How was Switzerland and, and what was it like playing your first little professional ball and realizing, okay, I'm actually getting paid now to hoop. Was it, was anything different? Well, to speak to the, the thing you were talking about right before about the records, there's a thing yeah. in our family that we always say, and it's winners win. And that's basically our motto as a family, which it sounds so pretentious, <laughs> but, but you know, it's, Winners win. Winners find a way to win, and you do it. And so it was always like, "Hey, are you a winner? Or are you a loser?" And you're like, "I'm, I'm a winner. Go win. I don't know what you're talking to me about." And you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna go do it." So like that, that's kind of it's funny because that's really shaped my identity as a basketball player a lot. And so having that come obviously to reality is kind of nuts when other people talk about it, mm -hmm. but. In terms of going to Switzerland, so obviously really low moment of, wow, I didn't make it to the WNBA. You know, winners win. But, um, <laughs> you know, so you don't get to go to the WNBA, but... Yet. And you, again, yet, yet. And talk to Kim course. about her outfit. Ask her, say, the guys at Hoop Journey want to know about your draft day outfit. She'll tell you yeah. a good story. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. I will, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, didn't didn't get drafted was expecting to get drafted um another moment of wallowing but this one didn't last quite as long because mm -hmm. i'm a little bit older now a little bit wiser um so i and you know i went out and was all dramatic and went walking afterwards and i'm in seattle at the time so it starts raining and i have this like movie moment of like you know it's like that basketball movie moment where like I don't know. I, I couldn't even list one of them for you. It's late here. But, um, you know, it just starts raining and you know it's like this is the, the moment where everything's going to turn around. He's going to start, like, going for his runs every day or whatever. Yeah. Like and, you're panning away from your face and the thunder and lightning are coming down and you're like, oh. And, and then it, like, just cuts to him, like, yeah. cuts to him, like, rope, battle ropes. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong music. Yeah. Good try, Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I had that moment and then, you know, and then I was like, okay, 
whatever. We're going to get back here. It doesn't matter. How do we get back here? And then it was, okay, call my agent, figure it out. Where do we go next? And, um... Turns out the best place for me to go was Freiburg, Switzerland, which is about an hour outside of Geneva um, and is this cute little city that's enclosed by a wall. Super tiny. You can walk from one end to the other in 25 minutes. And somehow little Freiburg went to Euro Cup and made history. And, um, you know, went 34 over and oh overall in all of the cups and seasons, didn't lose a single game or cup game and went to Elite Eight. And I think it was the first time in Switzerland's history that a team has gone. Um, and also, I think it's um, one of the first times that a t- a, somebody from a small league, because Switzerland's considered a small international league, yeah. um, made it that far in that. So we made a huge splash in FIBA. My agent was telling me that the board, the the board at FIBA basketball, had been calling him to talk about it and stuff. So, um, you know, was able to go there and have a really, really great experience. Love the coach. Um, you know, have a really. I've been really blessed to like be able to be coached by coaches that really care about their players, but are also fantastic people. So I have Hmm. a really great relationship with this coach as well, Roman Gaspas. He, um, you know, he sent me a message after I was released from the Mystics. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he always says this is his favorite quote. If they don't want you, they don't deserve you. And to say that that, um, to say that that quote really helped me would be an understatement. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that even the process of trying to get over to the WNBA was said a lot to me by him. So that really was um, special there, that bond. But When you, you say know, that your coaches were great people, what makes them great people? Is it that they connect with you on a different level other than basketball? Like why, what, what makes them great people? The, the few qualities that come to your mind right away. They, they care as people for sure, I think, mm-hmm. but I think everybody at some point cares about another person. I think what mm-hmm. it is, is the amount of trust that they're willing to give. You know, I think that is a huge part of it. The, hmm. just being able to take a step back and going, okay, listen, like she might make a mistake, but we're going to trust her and allowing me to have that responsibility and carry it. I think that was something that, you know, really shaped my success at each of these places. Mm-hmm. Love it. Just had to ask. I'm a, yeah, of course. I'm like, I'm a, I love relationships and people and that leadership stuff. So I just was curious. So that's yeah, cool. Of course. Yeah. And I think when you have, um, I, I'm more of an IQ player. I, I think a lot when I play, like, I don't think mm-hmm. like in the sense of I'm thinking through everything, but I am very systematic when I play. So when because I'm already a little bit regimented like that, when I have a coach that is too controlling and regimented and holding me back, I find that it really like slows me down in my terms of effectiveness. So mm. I think that trust and ha- having that really great relationship allows me to be a better basketball player. Cool, man. This, this is so good. As we start to kind of wrap up before we get to the fun questions, I'm just curious just briefly touch on, you know, you know, we, we've been talking, it feels like a a month and a bit now trying to get you on the episode and totally trying to just respect your boundaries and where you're at. And you just went through a couple stressful weeks, but what were the couple takes away takeaways, you know, being involved and getting a chance to compete in a couple WNBA games and have that experience and what, what, you know, 
upon your reflection, what, what do you think um, were the biggest things that you learned? You know, it was kind of like a strange um, situation with COVID and everything. And also, I was going into a team that is very has a very senior team. It's old, um, older players. Not saying they're old. They are yeah, careful. More, yeah, yeah yes. they're more experienced players. They're more they were veteran. Go there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, they're <laughs> veterans. They're more experienced. They're they are a little bit older than I think. They're considered one of the older teams in the league overall. So that's what I'm getting at. Okay, so, um, so you know, the way they approach their practices was a little bit different. You see the young teams were doing lots of conditioning and lots of, they're doing two-a-days and three-a-days. Well, when you have a veteran team, you don't do that as much. We were going one-a-days. We were going a little bit longer, but it was more about teaching and the younger girls and, um, you know, fine-tuning stuff so for me it was a little bit weird because I wasn't expecting that I was thinking oh I'm gonna come in it's gonna be two days I'm gonna be exhausted all the time I'm gonna be doing this but it was really like here you're gonna come in you're gonna do a treatment for an hour then you're gonna lift for an hour then you're going to do your practice then you're gonna get out like go like don't like go get some rest and and then you know we'll set up shooting times for people if they need extra but so that was a little bit different. And again, another like difference in the approach of professional versus professional in the terms of WNBA versus professional overseas, where it's definitely in WNBA, it's a war of attrition of you're just going to, you know, see it, make sure that you're as healthy as you can be at the top of peak of your game that you can be for as long as you can do it. And because there's just not enough spots for you to get injured, to make those mistakes, to do that. So kind of that and there's not enough turnaround time you don't it's a five month season at its longest so you don't have time to get injured and come back and do all these things so you know another adjustment because overseas it's we play two games a week we're practicing twice a day where you know you get one day off you spend three hours at practice you do conditioning you do all this so it was it's another kind of tweak in the the mentality i think mm-hmm, that is the mm-hmm. biggest takeaway from that cool Thanks. Thanks for the the honesty and stuff. So now just tell the people, because this episode will come out next week, what's Tampa? What's happening with you now with Team Canada and where you at and what are you there for? So right now we are in training camp for America. They'll be happening in Puerto Rico. We are training here in Tampa because of the restrictions in Canada. We can't all be training there right now. I mean, Tampa is a pretty great place to be instead. It's mm-hmm. a little bit sunnier than Edmonton. I actually just saw it was snowing there yesterday in Edmonton. I was like, what in the world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Wow, I'm thankful we're here. I don't do yeah. well in the cold. Yeah. Um, no, get a little either. grumpy. <laughs> but, you know, so we're here training for America. After America, the team will be selected for Tokyo. And then that team will um, go straight into training camp. I'm probably right back here in Tampa right after Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. And then training camp for two weeks and then off to Tokyo. So, nice. Yeah. It's a quick turnaround here, too. What do you think uh, needs to happen for women's basketball? Oh, what a broad question with so many, so many great answers. Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, there just has to be an investment made into it. I think the product is good. The people are worth supporting the the benefits to everyone are super high it's just it's not being invested in we're not getting enough tv coverage we're not getting enough opportunities to be in communities we're not being sponsored the same 
and you know the big one we don't get paid the same so you know I think it's that because the visibility on that level of investing in that changes the game of basketball for women on every single level I think mm. if you look at the epidemic of young girls quitting sports, it's because they don't see a future in it. And why mm -hmm. don't they see a future in it when there's women like me and Kim who have been doing this for over a decade now and yeah. who are, you know, making career, doing amazing things, raising families, doing all these stuff and still being great basketball players. So we need to invest in it so that people believe in it. You ready to take that responsibility on and be a lead and a charge for it? Absolutely. I, but yeah. I think that's also something that like none of us have a choice in doing. I don't think we have a chance to step back. I think men's athletes have the opportunity of being like, I'm not political. I don't get to do this. But I think in general, women's athletes were so caught up in basically everything that's happening in the world right now. You look at mm -hmm. the WNBA with Black Lives Matter and um, and, you know, the women's soccer USA women's soccer with uh, equ like equality in equality, the workplace. Yeah. And you look at some of the legislation that's coming out in the U.S. right now around, you know, abortion and all of those things. We're, we're so tied into everything that is currently being discussed and talked about and legislated that we don't really have a choice of whether or not we want to lead the charge because we're, we're the best, the, we're the best option that we have to make a difference that's so well said i never even thought of that that's great i'm glad i asked that question man you are beyond your years holy smokes that's so well said i got kind of like i have a son i don't have a daughter but man i got goosebumps listening to that and it's true you're absolutely correct like men are able to just take a fall back and you're right put your hands up and say nah i don't really want to be a part of that one and then for women it's like well what do you got? Come on, come on. Yeah, you we know, don't have a choice. A... If we don't, because it's going to affect us at the end of the day. Is it tiring sometimes? Or are you Absolutely. okay with it? Absolutely, it's tiring. But, I mean, it gets it gets easier when you get into these organizations like Team Canada, who just did the Mad Love campaign, and we have Mad Love on the back of our practice jerseys. And, mm -hmm. we, and you're in the WNBA where... You have women who are forfeiting their livelihood to do social justice. I mean, Natasha Cloud mm -hmm. on The Mystics, who I was just with, is a wonderful human being and stepped away. And, you know, when they take these steps to do it, you see amazing things. Converse is sponsoring her, says, we're going to cover your, we're going to cover your, uh, your salary for the year because this is important and you're showing us that this is important. So I think, you know, women are so powerful in that sense that, you mm -hmm. know, if we don't take advantage of it, we're really not only failing ourselves, but failing all of society. If you could give advice to a young woman, basketball player or not, they're 12 or 13, I'm putting you on the spot here, but is there something that comes to mind in terms of being strong and independent that you think they could do for themselves? Um, this is something that was told to me and every girl on my basketball team by my dad um, in mm -hmm. AU. And I think it's incredibly important for young girls to hear. And it's that do not let anybody stand in your way, regardless. Don't let, if it's your parents and they're telling you, you can't do it, find a way. If it's your, if it's your coaches saying, oh, I'm not going to open the gym, find a way. Don't there, it's going to be hard. 
and it's gonna suck sometimes, but at the end of it all, it's worth it. So just don't let anybody stop you from getting to the, be the person that you wanna be. Take him to church, Ace. Take him <laughs> to church. Unreal. Thank you for that. You ready for some fun questions before we let you go and get into your uh, hopefully vegan meal? Yeah, let's lighten it up a little bit. Okay, cool. Love it. What do you think about ketchup on macaroni? That sounds awful because I don't even eat macaroni. But if you did, you wouldn't put ketchup on it, right? No. Also from the no. fact that that's basically just tomato sugar. So like, why would I put that? If I wanted tomato on it, I'd just add tomato. Church. If you could, dead or alive, artist, doesn't matter. You got the best seat in the house. What are one or two concerts you're going to go? Who, who are your favorite artists? Oh, favorite artists. Now, this may, but this may be different, right? Like there may be a favorite artist that you enjoy just listening to on Spotify, but you're like, I don't know if they'd be great live. Like we're talking about a live concert in the building, or maybe, maybe you get to take your dad and there's a special show. I don't know. Oh, you choose. I... It's your world. We're just living in it. Yeah. Okay. So I think ABBA. I want to go to ABBA. Wow. <laughs> Are you sure you're only 23? <laughs> You know, people ask me that a lot. Listen, yeah. Mamma Mia came out. The the Mamma Mia came out when I was young, but yeah. me and my um, my cousins and my grandmother went to the movie. We were there all there for the summer. We went to the movie and we watched it, and we just mm -hmm. thought it was the most amazing thing ever. Whoa, Mamma Mia, here I go again. So we forced my grandma to take us to Walmart and go buy Abba's greatest hits. And yes. for the entire summer, that's all we listened to. We went to the Prince George Fair, and there was an ABBA tr tribute band, and we didn't want to go on rides. We just wanted to sit there and sing with them the whole time. So, like, it's, like, kind of, like, part of my childhood. So, like, if I could, it would have to be ABBA. And I would sing to every single song, and it's embarrassing, because I think I even try and sing, like, the Scandinavian parts. Oh, no, no, that is not <laughs> embarrassing. You stand on that and live it. That is awesome. Who's the goat in your mind, male or female? I don't know. You tell me mm. who, who's the best basketball player or give one of each or just one. Doesn't matter. The greatest basketball player. That's a two-part thing for me. I think um, for me personally, you greatest of all time in the sense of impact on basketball, impact on society and the world. Um, Michael Jordan, obviously, that he changed changed the bas changed basketball. I think the only person close to having changed basketball in that same type of way is Steph Curry, and we're not going to give that to him yet. So um, we'll stick with Michael Jordan. For me personally, growing up, the greatest of all time was Larry Bird. Hey, yeah, tell he's me my more. dad's favorite player. His, he had no choice. Work, his work ethic, his passion, all of that stuff was something that you didn't see so much. Lots of players were out partying, doing this stuff, and Larry Bird was out running around the top of the stadium. So I think that level of work ethic, and it bit him in the butt at the end because, you know, like his, he just it's fell apart. Like his body literally. just disintegrated. <laughs> but, you know, I think that that work ethic and that dedication speaks for itself, and I don't think you see that in this at that level um very often and his confidence too yeah mm -hmm. absolutely shooting the three in the uh nba three-point contest and then just putting the number finger in the air and it just all water like just knowing it's water right yeah so good yeah telling the guys on the bench who's gonna come second 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's been some of the most important people in your life? Wow. There's so many. My parents, they have sacrificed so much for me and my sister and everything, and you take it for granted as a kid, and now you grow up and you see it, and you realize just how hard life is and how hard to make those decisions are in the grand scheme of things. You're like, oh, well, I'm your kid. You should do that. And normal parents don't do that. So, um, you know, my parents, um, my grandparents, because they're just like the biggest support system ever. And if you look at any of the film of me playing the Team Canada, they're almost always in the stands. They come to every single thing that they no can. Way. Yeah. That's cool. And, and, you know, just my entire family as a whole has just been incredibly supportive all the way along the way and inspirational, mm -hmm. really. So I think I would have to do that. And then there's one other person, and it's funny I'm going to say this because he probably has no idea he had this effect on me. But in eighth grade, um, there was Coach Mosley and Mark Mosley, and he was um, – working this camp with Drew Hanlon and I was in eighth grade and I was doing a drill and he said to me and he goes, you know, one day you're going to be in the WNBA. And that was the first time that anybody outside of my family had ever said that to me. And it's funny because wow. I know I still am, I still know him, but we, we don't cross paths as much anymore. He works with my sister a little bit mm -hmm. and he probably doesn't have any recollection of this, but he said that to me at that camp. And that was the first time that somebody else outside my family validated my dream. And and I, and I used to be like, from that moment on, it was like, he said, I could do it. I'm going to go do it. So he for wow. sure had a huge impact, even though he has no idea. Have you, so you haven't told him yet? Or? He doesn't know that story, actually. I mean, it's kind of hard to be like, hey, like, we haven't talked in like three years. Let me mm -hmm. just run up to you and do that as he's working mm -hmm. out with my sister. So <laughs> shout out Coach Mosley. Yeah. Hopefully you can find him on Instagram. We'll send him a tag. Um, <laughs> love it. Okay, you're vegan. I'm not sure how the whole vegan things work because I'm clearly not vegan when you can see me through the Zoom. But if you were to grab a bag of chips, what would they be? Ooh, bag of chips. Um, yeah. Bag of chips. I mean... This is where Kim said, Oh, I don't really eat chips. I really like oranges. Yeah, like I really like oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would maybe be like, <laughs> I know this is going to sound really random, but it's also like, it is the season for oranges. And it, when you can just pop like three in your bag and it's like, they're super sweet, you know? This is why you can still rush. play pro basketball at 36. <laughs> so you and I are not playing pro basketball <laughs> at 36. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and me and Corbin just died. We were like, oh my God, did you just say oranges? Yeah. No pressure though. Oh. Oh, she's oh, got, a, <laughs> got a ton of oranges right here. But, at least they're not apples. At least they're not apples. I know. Apples no, yet. I really, I, the crazy thing is I absolutely love oranges too because I'm Asian. So like oranges is like, we eat those like every single day. But for, if I were to buy, grab a bag of chips before I was vegan, mm -hmm. it would be um, probably Cheetos. After hey. I'm vegan... Mm. It'd probably have to be like veggie sticks. <laughs> like my four and a half year old. He loves those. Yeah. That's okay. It's all right. Cheetos though. Do you have an though. oranges sponsor? If there's any oranges I sponsor. wish. That would be Sun amazing. Shout out. Sun kiss still a thing or something? Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. I wish. Send a box of oranges if you're listening, Sun Kissed. Yeah. I'm, I'm here in the Marriott. Yeah. Hook it up. <laughs> we'll try to send in the Marriott. I'm in Florida. It can't be that hard. Yeah. 
right? We'll tag them. We'll, it... we'll, we'll send them. We'll send them. <laughs> That'd be awesome. This is awesome. We could go forever, but we got two more questions for you. Um, is there a book that you've read recently? I don't know if you read, or is there a quote or a couple quotes that kind of guide you in life? Or, I mean, you gave us one. You've given us a few. Winners win. Um, you know, your dad talking to your AAU team. But is there something even an extension of that that comes to mind? Books that I've read recently... I read so much. There's just so many. You do. I have like I have like four or five books going right now. Okay. Um, the most recent one that I finished again mm-hmm. would be The Alchemist, um, uh. which is a is a good one for this moment in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, after a kind of a letdown. Um, but in terms of quotes, what do I? It's here. This is the one that has always been around since I was little, and it's it's not the destination it's the journey and that in the sense of what's important sure but more in the sense of the the journey should be what motivates you the everyday part of it the everyday waking up and working that's the motivation right there the destination is the reward at the end of it Mm -hmm. so you have to focus on what's happening now in this moment and then allow the good things to come as opposed to aim for the good things and not do the work that you might need to do because you're too focused on what could potentially be coming later and then miss out at that at the end. Not to be super corny, but that's kind of like the reason that we picked a hoops journey because I'm a firm believer of journey over destination for sure. Like it's the process to get there, right? So man, I have to get you to sponsor the podcast or something. <laughs> yeah. Round of applause. Thank you. Um, we forgot about the uh, best players you've played against. I got one more question, Corbs. Oh, that was going to be it. That's okay. I thought it was going to be it. Yeah. Okay, Who's the best player or players you've played against up to this point that come to mind? Best player I've ever played against. And like we said, you've already been a best player on this show. Someone has mentioned you. So I'm sure there's lots of women in this province that are like, yeah, I've been lit up by Ace a few times. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably and the funny thing is they're all friends we're all friends was, <laughs> still right i think it, like do you know con do you know connor morgan plays on the men's so. side he played at ubc yeah yeah and like he had a hard time saying because like the guy that he was going to mention is he's still competing against right like he still yeah. plays pro in spain and he's like he'll probably won't hear this and we're like whoa relax man maybe he will maybe he will <laughs> but let's hear it anyways but is there someone that stands out where you were just like holy smokes um, for me, I think it would be Asia Durr. Why? I, okay, so Asia Durr, because mm-hmm. I played against her a lot, and she's a fantastic score. I have another one for you, and it's funny. Yeah. This is a good story to end with. But, so Asia Durr, fantastic score. I remember watching her before I had ever even played against her in AAU, and just being amazed, like, the way she moves and put scores and plays. And then I play against her when she was at Louisville. And I actually almost played with her because I was recruited to, we were supposed to be in the backcourt together and I decided um, to go to NC State instead. But um, she's just a fantastic player and, you know, she's going through a really hard moment right now with um, the, what's happening with her and her COVID symptoms and everything. But Mm -hmm. great. But here's the last story that we will end it on. My welcome to the WNBA moment. I come onto the Mm. floor. I've been sitting the whole quarter. It's been 10 minutes and I come on and everybody lines up against their check. And the only one left is Courtney Williams. 
And if you don't know who Courtney Williams is, she is probably one of the most dead-eyed jump shooters in all of the WNBA. She is feisty and crazy and just swishes, just ridiculous. And she sees me and I go, I'm really guarding Courtney Williams. Like, this is not, I, I've never been in a game before and I, this, I'm cold <laughs> and they want me to guard the best jump shooter, which jump mid-range is arguably the hardest part of basketball to guard. Right. And, and you know, I'm not particularly known for my my defense. I have won a defensive MVP in Provincials one time, so give it to me. But I'm not considered the best defender. So I line up against one of the best scorers in the WNBA. And she gets pissed because I'm a rookie. And I'm not a particularly athletic rookie. And she goes, so they're going to put this rookie on me? And she starts talking smack immediately. And I go... Oh God, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> because she's she's like, give me the ball, they're gonna disrespect me. And I'm just like, anybody wanna switch? <laughs> and they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so she scored two back to back jumpers in my face. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Welcome to the WNBA. And then she got subbed out. <laughs> Cause they're like, Yeah, you did your thing. She didn't say anything? Oh no, she was talking smack like the whole time, but like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just, I can't, I can't get caught in that because I'm already like in my pants right now. So (laughs) I'm like, I have to get over the screen and run back and try and stop a step back jumper. And uh, it's awful. (laughs) You're right. No better note to end it on. Yeah. (laughs) Usually we end it with like the question of if you could do do it all again, you would, but we want to focus on you and your future, and we know you have so many great years of basketball left. We're going to watch you, and we're super appreciative of you um, sitting down with us. Um, is there any last reflection or a comment or a shout-out or something before we let you go? And uh, nothing but success with uh, Team Canada here for the next couple of weeks. Um, no shout-outs or anything. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And to all the listeners, watch women's basketball. <laughs> Say it again for the people in the back. Watch women's basketball. Love it. That's going to be fun to edit. (laughs) I think it's so cool. We're seeing an uprise. Um, I was listening to JJ Reddick's podcast a couple months ago, and he was like, it's not going to be long before women are just regularly dunking in games. Like, it's going to be on, right? It's going to be on like Donkey Kong. And you're going to be a part of that next surge, and we can't wait to see it. So all the best. Thank you so much. You're a stud. Um, You're beyond your years, and we appreciate you being with us on behalf of Hoops Journey. So good luck. Get some rest, and uh, we'll be watching. Thank you. No worries. Shout out to our sponsors, Good Lad and Parkside Brewery, and we'll see you on the next episode. 